We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read the exact same passage that we read last week, so if, if you have that marked already. Uh, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand, and one of our friendly family members here would love to give you a Bible as well. We started a little mini-series. We were in a series on community, and we started a little mini-series last week called Transformers, because I personally believe that if we really are living in community, and we're centered in community, and we, we be, that we become transformers of community. We become transformers in our communities. So last week, what I did was, is I, I wanted to define first, if we're going to be transformers, I, I wanted us to understand what being transformed looked like. So I defined what transformed was. If you didn't hear that message, it would be really good, especially today. If anything sticks out from today, or if you're like, wow, I feel like there's a reference back to last week, you can always go back and watch on YouTube, and that'd probably be the easiest way for you and you can catch up, but I would highly suggest you go back and watch that message. It's going to give you a lot of, uh, I think, good foundational groundwork for being transformed. Today we're going to talk about something that I personally know, just as a human being, that I walk with and I struggle with sometimes. And here's the question that I have. Have you been transformed? Have you seen change in your life, but you struggle to stay transformed? Sometimes it's very easy to go, okay, there's a change that's happened. I call this the yo-yo you. You heard of a yo-yo diet? Okay, so in life, what happens is there's a yo-yo you, and, and that, that yo-yo you is that, it's that you, that you, you, the significant change happens, and then 30, 60, 90, 120 days later, you're back in the same boat. And here's wor even worse. Sometimes we end up worse than we were. You ever heard of a yo-yo diet? Okay, so yo-yo you spiritually is like, God, you, like, there's change in my life. I'm becoming a better father. I'm becoming a better friend. I'm actually, I'm, I'm making some serious headway in a certain direction. And suddenly I find myself caught in that same struggle again. And sometimes, and even in a worse situation, today we're going to talk about transformation. And transformation being the continuance of being transformed. Transformation is the continuance of being transformed. So today, we're going to talk about the fight for change. Luke 5, chapter 1, or uh, Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. One of the rites of passage that I felt like as a father that I got the opportunity to walk through was the first time that I bought something at Ikea and I had to assemble it. 
Now, it, it's, it's a feat of its own just to get to our local Ikea, which is down by, you know, the, uh, what we used to call Jack Murphy Stadium. <laughs> that big empty thing that we don't have a professional sports team that plays in. <laughs> Some of you are like, we need to lay hands on our sports. Okay. <clears throat> And, you know, you get into the parking lot, and the parking lot's crazy. I get into the store, and I don't know how many times I've been to Ikea, but I just want, I want to admit this right now. I get lost every time I go in that store. I'm like, I need that stupid map. I need, like, one of those location devices where, because I, like, I get lost, and, like, someone needs to, like, find, like, find my phone, like, find my dad. Like, where is he at? I'm just walking around the store. You just find me sitting in, like, one of those little living rooms. I just give up. I'm just like, I'm not even going to try. I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at. But I'm somewhere in Ikea. They have food court somewhere in here. I'll just I'll go get a hot dog, some chili. We'll be good. And if that isn't enough, you finally get out of the store and you get home. And if you're like me, what I like to do is I like to look at the picture on the box. And I like to just open up the box with 72,000 pieces of whatever it is I'm about to build. And I like to try to build it based on the picture. How many of you are like me? You, you open the box, you discard the guide. You just you take the, the whole guide that has all the information on how you should do it. You just sort of like set that aside. <laughs> I know they've thought through this for you if you just follow the instructions, but I'm going to look at the picture. I'm going to try and build it on my own because I'm a man. How many times in our life do we have a perfect picture of what life should be and we, we step in and we do the work of getting a hold of the guide and we take the guide and we set it aside? Jesus, thank you so much for getting in my boat. Here, you have a guide. I have a perfect picture. You and I will fight to stay transformed if, number one, we do not follow the guide's plan. You have a guide. His name is Jesus. Here's the plan. Follow the guide's plan. Not the picture that you have in your head. Following the guidance of Jesus is a process of progressive obedience. It's a process of progressive obedience. Here's what I mean. In Luke 5, 3, it says, He got into one of the boats. This is Jesus, the one belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from the shore. See, here's Simon. Simon's walking you know, up on the shore, and he's washing his nets. Here comes Jesus. And the first progressive step of obedience in the process of Simon here is that he allows Jesus to get into his boat. Incremental step of obedience. And then he says, hey, push out from the shoreline into the shallows. And Simon, another step of progress this process of obedience with Jesus, and he pushes from the shoreline. He walks away from his plan 
And he begins to allow his life to wade into the environment of the plan that Jesus is beginning to lay out in front of him. And then Jesus takes it a step further. It says, when he had finished speaking or teaching, he said to Simon, put out into the deep waters. And Simon goes from the shallow. He pushes past and into the deep. Jesus is always calling us into deeper waters of transformation. He's always calling us deeper. I remember, you know, as a, as a as a young man, I do not remember a time in my life where I wasn't in the ocean. From like the youngest of ages, my earliest memory of being in the ocean—I don't even know how old I was—I I remember riding on the back of my parents as they would lay on like a boogie board in the whitewash, and I was just a little guy holding on. And as that progressed in my life, I just was around the ocean all the time. And so as a dad, I thought like, hey, I think this is really great. So I want my kids to experience the same thing. So I remember taking my kids down to the beach. And my oldest, who's 21 at the time, was very, very young. She was probably less than 18 months old. And I'd put floaties on her. And I would take her from the shore where she had control. And I would put her in the shallow. And I would begin to teach her in the shallow. But then, as a young father who was somewhat intense and wanting his children to be the best at everything, I thought, what if I take the floaties off of her? Never mind, she doesn't know how to swim. And what if I push past the shallow, you know where the breakers are? Where you start to struggle a little bit? So I take her out and I turn her around and I push her on a wave and she gets pummeled and I almost lost her. I mean, I like reached under the water whoom, and picked her up. Now, as I say that, some of you were like, huh? for some of us, there is a genuine fear of losing control and moving past the shallow through the struggle of where the waves are breaking into the deep. And Jesus is wanting to teach us in the shallow, but transform us in the deep. Simon is asked to move deeper where Jesus wanted to work. I realized in my life, Jesus wants to work on me in the deep. He can inform us here. He transforms us here. And that's tough because this is where I'm over my head. This is where I don't have control. My feet aren't on the ground. That there's a struggle getting from the shallow to out here. And some of you might be caught in that. But I know that Jesus wants to give you a plan as a guide and he has this plan for your life. And he's informing you and he wants to transform you here. But we have to be willing to trust him in the deeper areas of our heart. We have to be willing to trust Jesus in the deeper areas of our life. If we're going 
to sustain the change that we see in our lives. The depth of your transformation will be defined by the depth of your willingness to follow the guidance of Jesus. It was very fascinating. When I was younger, I, I took this water safety class. And one of the first things they teach you, and it's like the beginning, it's like the very first thing, it's like before like the things you take as a lifeguard, it's even like before that. It's just a basic water safety class. I remember going to Monroe Street Pool in Carlsbad and me and a couple friends, and we're all surfers, so we're very used to the water, and we jump in the pool, and they're teaching us certain like life-saving techniques, and then they teach us this thing. If someone is too far into the deep, their natural response, and people begin to flail when they feel like they're out of control, when they move past the shallow into the deep, because I can no longer keep my feet firmly planted on the ground and I have to give this part of my life to whoever it is that's taking me there and Jesus is saying I want to take you into the deep and so what they do is they would simulate this person being in the deep so this is what would happen they'd put a person in the pool and they'd say okay we want you to thrash around like you're 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 fighting for life and so we would have to swim toward the person and this is what they would teach you as you swam toward the person you're swimming Head first, you'd get about five to 10 feet away. You would stop and you would begin to approach the person feet first. Do you know why? Because if you approach them head first, that person trying to save themselves because they're out of control, because they feel like they're too vulnerable in the deep, will try to climb on top of you even though you are their savior. And they will drown you. And they will drown themselves in doing so. So the reason you approach feet first is guess what you do when that person tries to grab a hold of you and climb on top of you? What do you do to them? You kick them. This is the fun part. Because teenage boys, you know, we're like kicking the crap out of each other in the pool. Give a boy any chance. We're like, oh, I kicked you, dude. Like, you know, kicked me too hard, you know. We're like, you're trying to drown me. You know, we're just, we're idiots. Sorry. I'm just reminiscing. So we're just like, you give me a free reason. To, but but, but here's, the, here's the point. You keep kicking the person until they calm down and understand, hold on, that they can find peace in the deep. If they relax. If they're willing. And you never leave them. You just let them thrash about until they get tired and at the end of themselves. And I think sometimes this is what Jesus does. Jesus gives us guidance. He gives us a plan. Maybe like Simon, you've allowed Jesus to get into your boat here this morning. And maybe like Simon, you even said, I'll push into the shallows. And I'll allow Jesus to begin to teach and inform me of some things. But in between the shallow and the deep, there's waves breaking. And I feel like for some of you this morning, you've been getting pounded by waves between the shallow and the deep. And it's convinced you that you were not built to live in the deep because it's not safe. And I'm here to tell you that it's actually safe. Growing up surfing my entire life, let me tell you the safest place to be. Guess where it is? 
in the deep. It blows my mind, people that, that don't know anything about the beach. They're like, I'm afraid of the ocean. And I'm like, come on, go, let's go out here. And they go, it's too scary. And I'm like, you're standing in the impact zone. You're literally taking waves on the head. Stand on the shore. The Bible says, be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Quit standing in the spot where you're just taking wave upon wave upon wave on your head. Fight for change. So make a decision. Stay on the shore and wash your nets and do your plan. Or get on with the guidance of Jesus' plan and get into the deep. But I'm going to tell you something. I've learned in my, my life, merging my plan and merging Jesus' plan is not a winning equation. It's not. And this is where a lot of us live. If we were honest, this is where a lot of us live. We live in this in-between where we're getting pummeled. And Jesus is saying, I want to take you into the deep. Why? Because I've, I'm informing you here, but I want to transform you here. And I, and I got to experience this last summer. It's like my kids are older now. And they all are like, oh man, like let's go surf dad. So I'm like, okay. And we were on vacation for like a week. We're hanging out at the beach. And it was so cool seeing in their mind, seeing this turnover. It's so, it was so awesome spending time with them in the deep water. Them pushing past and getting out of the shallow and getting into the deep. And something changed in them where they realized, wow, it's better out here than it is here. It's fun to thrash around in the shallow. It's fun to get my feet wet, but there's something deep. There's something powerful about being out here. The payoff is much better. But we have to be willing to follow the guide's plan. We have to be willing to walk in the plan. Number two. Follow through by working the plan. Follow through by working the plan. Let me define really quickly what a guide is. Because if I tell you to follow the guide's plan, last week I told you get a guide. Let me define what a guide is. Here's, here's what the definition of a guide is, a noun. It's a person and a thing. A person who advises or shows the way to others, or it's a thing, it's a structure or a marking which directs the motion or positioning of something. So you can have guidelines. So here are guides. When you drive on the road here, we have white lines, yellow lines, double yellow lines. We have medians in the center of streets. Guess what those are? Those are all guides. All of them. They're markings to inform us of something that we need to do. The verb is to direct or have an influence on the course of action or something or, some, or someone. Here's my point. A guide can provide a plan for the work, but will not do the work for you. A guide will provide a plan of action 
but will not do the work for you. So I, 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 every week on my phone, I have an app called Training Peaks. Has anyone ever heard of that app? One person, awesome. Two people, awesome. Okay. Very simple uh, idea. I have a triathlon coach who puts my workout every week in that app. And I look at it on Friday and I see my next week's workouts. Why did I do that? I needed, I needed a guide's plan because I had done a triathlon. I had done a, an Ironman 70.3, 70.3 miles. That's what that means. I had done this Ironman and I, I did well. And I said to myself, I want to, I, I want to actually see deeper change and be able to do better. So for me, better meant I want to qualify for the world championships. In order to do that, I have to be in the top 1% in the world of all triathletes in my age group. And so I have to get the plan from the guide, but then I have to do the work of the plan. So I currently, I'm in the top 5% of the world, but I have to get to the top 1% of the world. And it would be like me calling up my guide and say, what are we doing today? He goes, well, read the plan. I show up to the pool and I'm like, call her. I'm like, where, where are you at? Drinking a latte. Where are you at? Waiting for you to come and do the work for me. How many times, I, I, I really, for me in my life, I ran into this so many times. I still do this sometimes. Jesus, God, would you, would you just work in my life? And sometimes what happens is Jesus is doing a deep work in our life by taking us into the deep and by instructing us and we sit back in the boat and we look at Jesus and go, I rubbed the lamp, do the work. There is no work in your life from Jesus if you're not willing to work. Let's look at this real quick. Luke 5, 5, Jesus, or Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because of you, I will let down the nets. Who let down the nets? Jesus didn't let down the nets. It was Jesus' idea. How many times in my life, how many times in your life have you felt like you have a plan from Jesus, I read the plan. It's your idea, so you do it. It's your plan for me, God, that I would be in community. So make a community for me. God, it's, it, it, it's your plan in my life that, that I would be provided for. So be my provision. Provide for me. I'm going to put my feet on the coffee table. I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to, I'm not going to commit and submit myself fully to you. I'm not going to do all things. I'm not going to work with all of my might unto you. I expect you to do that for me. 
It's backwards thinking, isn't it? We have to be willing to work the plan of the guide. Jesus didn't let down the net. By the way, Jesus, Jesus didn't just take Simon's boat. Jesus isn't the one who pushed the boat into the shallow. Jesus is not the one who took the boat from the shallow to the deep. Simon had to do the work of each one of those. Then Simon was the one who had to let down the net. And then it goes further. I love this. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish. Who caught the fish? They did. did Jesus didn't catch the fish? No. They caught the fish. They caught such a large number, the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners. Who signaled their partners? God, I need community. I need you to just be like a giant beacon of light right now. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to hide in isolation. I'm not going to show up in community. I'm not going to use the two-way phone where I can call. I can text. I'm going to sit here and I expect you to pull me out of my darkness and out of my depression. And God's like, look at the sea of people that I've created for you to get pulled out of that and to get pulled into community. They signaled, it says, their partners in the boat to come. So many times in my life, I felt like I was alone in this, in this transformation, in this struggle of life. I felt like I was so alone. And do you know what I was? Do you know why? Because I was sitting in the boat and I was looking at the other boats and I had my hands crossed and I refused to let other people know that I needed help. I refused to do the work. Like God, if it was meant to be, you ever, have you ever prayed like this? God, if it's meant to be, they'll do, they're, in the next three seconds, they're going to look my way. Right? God, if I was meant, we start laying out these really funny things, right? If I was meant to get a promotion at work, I will hit every light green, although I'm 20 minutes late. <laughs> Which may be why you're not getting a promotion at work. And then we blame it on God. God, you're not providing for me. He's like, you're not doing the work. You spend more time on Instagram at work than you do working. Ooh. <laughs> hey, let's talk about that for a second then. I think we're working. Sometimes we're just working for the wrong boss. Are we working for the boss of me? Man, I, I, I should do a whole sermon on working unto the Lord as Christians in our workplace. I just can't get ahead. <laughs> You're the worst employee ever. But I love Jesus. I just want to bring Jesus into community. <laughs> do your work. <laughs> okay. So they signaled their partners in the boat and they came. And they came and filled the boats. Did Jesus pull the nets up and fill the boats? Who did the work? 
they did. It says the boats were still full, they made them sink. Here's, here, here's my point. There will always have to be work if there's going to be a win. There's always going to have to be work if there's going to be a win. I spend three to five months, six days a week, training, following the plan to race four hours and 42 minutes. I think this is what happens. We see the payoff. We see the return on someone's investment. We see the highlight reel, especially in social media. And we have no concept of how much work went into working the plan. And we focus on this over here. And, we, and we're struggling. Because God, like, I, I can do it. I did it once and I just, I need, I just want, and I want more. And, I want, and I'm willing, but I just, and, and look at them. And, and, they're, and we get impatient and we start comparing. And there's work involved. Romans 12.1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This, 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 this passage is so, it always hits me. Because it takes work to follow Jesus' plan, and it's easy to follow the patterns of the world. It's easy. Family, hold on a second. I want you to know this. It's easy to live a mediocre life in relationship. So easy. It's easy to get a business partner, I mean spouse. Hey, as long as he's paying the bills, I'll make him food and sleep with him. God wants to renew our thinking. He wants to take us from the shallow thought process into a deeper process. If we're willing to follow and work the plan, he's got something for us. He's got this deep change for us. And it's too easy to follow the patterns of the world. It's, that's the simple part, guys. I mean, uh, are you guys with me this morning? Okay. Are you processing this? Okay. I just ask because I'm either, with my personality, I've either deeply offended you or, or, <laughs> or have you thinking, which you could be thinking about your deep offense, so to be fair. <laughs> First Timothy 4.7 says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. Physical training is good, but training... For godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Verse 10. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. We work hard and continue to struggle. Why? Because there's a promise attached to that. Here's the problem. 
struggle isn't a sign that you're sinking. Struggle is a sign that that's where God is working and transforming you. You want me to say that again? The struggle that you're in right now, what is it? Let's think for a second. What's your struggle right now? It can be big. It can, it can, it can seem really big or, you know, or it can be really, it can be, how about this? I'm extremely impatient. My struggle is I am impatient. I see what's in the deep and I'm in the shallow and I'm getting beat down right now and I'm struggling. And I'm telling you that without the struggle, there's no breakthrough. If you are not willing to fight for change, then there's no change. And Timothy is telling us, like, we need to get up and we need to continue to train ourselves. Why? Because it's in the struggle that God is transforming me. And too often what happens is, is that you and I will hit struggle. We hit struggle street and guess what we do? I'm parking the car, dude. I'm waiting until the storm passes. Well, here's a better one. We're like on our phone. We're like telling Siri, like, do not take me down Struggle Street. M map me around the street. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The gold is actually on Struggle Street. And you're circumventing the process that God wants to take you through to give you the gold that he wants you to have when you get into the deep. Your breakthrough and your transformation and the change that you've been wanting to see, it's in your current struggle. If there's no struggle, you and I aren't being changed. If I don't feel sore in the morning after training, I didn't work hard the day before. How do you feel? I feel horrible. I feel exhausted. Sounds like you're going to have a great race. That's what I want to say to people. Get on Facebook and they're like, man, I'm just having one of those days hit Struggle Street. I can't catch a break, man. I got up this morning, broke a nail. And I went to go body nail and I, and I got gel nail. You know how much gel nails cost? And I, bro I, I broke it. I can't. Then I burnt my favorite blouse ironing it. I was late to work. I was trying to bathe my child at night in bed and they didn't have a diaper on. And, you know, well, things happen in the bath. And then I had to drain the bath and disinfect the bathtub and rewash the kid. And so I decided to DoorDash my food. They brought me the wrong food. And people put this on Facebook and I just. <laughs> I'm like, woo! You know what I want to say? I'm like, Whoo. keyboard ninja. I just want to be like, sounds like you're about ready to have a breakthrough. <laughs> I know I'm going to get all kinds of like middle finger emojis, you know? They look like the praying hands, but Dan ain't praying. But the, I, real talk, I mean, I, this is what we have to remember. When you have a day like that, 
You need to you need to get to the end of the day and you need to be like, God, I'm praying right now to thank you for giving me such good training grounds today. Because my day, it was a struggle, all caps. So you must have something really, really good for me when I get on the other side of the struggle and I'm in the deep. And I know you're trying to take me into deeper stuff. So now you're going to go home and you're going to be like, God, life is amazing. Thank you. I need struggle. Give me struggle. Because I want more. How many of you are struggling financially? Let's be honest. How many are you struggling financially? Okay. What does God have for you on the side of that? What's he training in you right now? How many of you are struggling relationally? Could be in a marriage. It could be like, I just need more friends. Let me tell you something. Begin asking, God, what are, what are you training me for right now? How many of you are struggling emotionally, mentally? What is God preparing you for? Your transformation can only happen if you're willing to stay in the fight, to work the plan, and to get from the shallow into the deep. And I'm going to tell you something. In that in-between, feels like sometimes you're going to hyperventilate. You're not going to make it. But that's why you need the guidance and the plan. Let's stand. Where's your biggest struggle at this morning? I've been asking this question. Where's your, where's your biggest struggle? What is it that you're wrestling internally? And I, I think actually these internal struggles carry more weight than physical struggles. What is your struggle? What is that struggle informing you of? What is God trying to inform you of with that struggle? I will tell you by and large, he's actually, if you can pinpoint your struggle, he can pinpoint where transformation is happening. And then we're, then our countenance changed, right? We're able to rejoice. God, thank you so much. You were, you were changing me as a father. You're changing me as a husband. You're changing me as an employer. You're changing me as an employee. You're changing me as a child of God. You're changing me as a friend. Changing me as a son, as a daughter. Some of you are so fearful of deep water. You find safety in the shallow. And your trust with Jesus 
that he's a, he's a good, he's a good guy. You have a good father who's always going to have you in your best interest. He's always there to snatch you up out of the water. He's always there to protect you. He's always there to save you. And some of you, the vulnerability of letting go of control is massive. Something in your life has taught you because fear is a lie that's been amplified. Fear is a lie that's been amplified and you have believed. And for some of you, you've been taught that water equals death and it's not. That is where you are going to find peace and freedom. It's in the deeper areas of your life. And God, for some of you, God wants to take you deeper. You're like, man, I'm, I'm in the deep. And, I, and, I, and I'm here to tell you, Jesus is like, I want to take you deeper. You know why? Because none of us have arrived. There will be a day we will stand face to face with Jesus and we will be able to say, I've arrived. But until then, we all are in a process of progressive obedience. We all are constantly being called from shallow to deep and yet even deeper. He is calling you deeper this morning. Let's close our eyes. If you are caught in the struggle this morning, um, I'm going to make this really practical. If you're caught in the struggle, I'm going to ask that you get out of the shallow and you wade into the deep here practically this morning. And by that, I mean, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come forward. And I want to pray over your struggle and your transformation and the breakthrough that God has for you. It is easy. It is easy to sit in the shallows. It's easy to stay in the seat. It takes vulnerability. It takes trust. There's risk involved. So before you leave here, if you're struggling, I'm going to ask you to come forward. For the rest of us, just open your hands up people comfortable doing so. Father, I pray right now, God, that we would, in our struggle, we would understand that the fight for change begins by following the guidance of Jesus, following through by working the plan. That each one of us would follow the guide's plan and we would follow through by doing the work. 
that for every single person here, that if they feel stuck, that they would step into the change that God has for them. So Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to struggle. I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to work hard. I also thank you for the opportunity that we always have. There's an open invitation to always go into deep with you. I thank you for that. Thank you for calling us out of complacency, out of a place where we can just stay comfortable and numb. Thank you for arresting our hearts and calling us into places that require more of us. Thank you for being a God that would never ask us to go somewhere that you're not going to protect us that you haven't thought through, that you don't have a plan for us. Thank you for being one that would go ahead of us. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' powerful name. Everyone said amen and amen.